It is good to be in the presence of the Lord. And this morning, if you've been tracking with us, we've been showing videos. We're finishing our series on Extreme Life Makeover. But every once in a while when we get together, we have this culture of sharing testimonies when we gather together of what God's been doing this during through the week. And um, this morning we had such an amazing testimony that it was just too good to not share with all of you guys. So Hugh, come on up. And I want Hugh to share with us what happened this week with him. Hi, everybody. My name is Hugh, and I've been going to All People's here for about Stay a year here. now. The light. There you go. And uh, I'm in the night training school here. <laughs> anyway, so last night, yesterday, during our class time, we were asked to pray about where would we go where Jesus was going to disciple us the most in the next hour or so. And in the short prayer time that we had before that, I had this word that I just had fishermen, uh, and I just kept hearing fishermen. So I got in my car afterwards, and I drove out to where the last time I saw a fisherman was in Pacific Beach Pier. So I go out to the PV Pier, and I'm just walking, I'm walking, I'm standing out there, and there's no fishermen. There's no one fishing that day. It must have been so cold or something like that. Anyways, I walk, I start going back, a little bit disgruntled. And I walk by a man by himself standing there just looking out in the sunset. And God just tells me, talk to that man. Talk to that man. So I turn around and I go talk to him. And we talk for a while. He's from Alaska. He tells me all these things about Sarah Palin. I don't, we just had, <laughs> we had this very long, extensive conversation about Sarah Palin and all these other things. But while we were talking, I just get this ringing in my ear. And I get this ring in my ear and I put my my hand over my right ear like this because it was ringing and he looks at me and he says what's wrong i said oh i get i have a ringing in my ear all of a sudden he's like oh i've been deaf in my right ear for three years now and so i'm like what is this <laughs> i was like this is all from god this is all from god and so i was like can i pray for you can i pray for you and he said yes so i started praying for them i started declaring jesus name and making you know for god to restore healing and I say, amen. And as soon as I say, amen, he says, can you say that again? Because I just heard that in both ears. <laughs> that is good. <laughs> and so I go, say what? Say, say amen? He's like, I just heard that in both ears. He's like, oh my gosh, God is so good. God is real. Jesus is real. I, just, I can hear this in both my ears. And he just bolts down the pier, just running. <laughs> He's like, Jesus is real. Jesus is real. Running around. Jesus is real. <laughs> so, I, I mean, is he here today? Matt Vaughn, are you here? Matt, maybe he's not here. But anyways, it, it was a funny, just a funny picture because I, I didn't know if it was real. So I wanted to ask him if it was real. But he's running, and I haven't ran in a while. So I'm just chasing him down the pier. Like, is this real? Is this real? And he comes back. I finally get him, and he's like, yes. I haven't heard in my ears for three years now. I have to go tell my sister. I have to go tell my mom. Jesus is real. Thank you. And he just goes. So praise God. Praise God. Hugh's a, a part of the medical community. So I love it when God breaks, breaks into our reality and Hugh's trying to chase him. Is this real? Is it, hey, are you telling me the truth? <laughs> You know, this is um, the scripture coming to life 
John 14, 11 says, believe me when I say that I'm in the Father and the Father's in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the miracles themselves. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I've been doing. They'll do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father and I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. And that's what's going on here. That, that is why we love Jesus breaking into our reality. That's why Jesus laid hands on so many sick people. And healed so many people. That's why he cast out so many demons, even raised the dead. Why? To bring glory to God. And that's what it's all about. It's all about bringing glory to God, what he deserves. And that is one of the things that we love to step out and pray for these things that God has encouraged us to pray for so that he could bring glory to the Father. Should I change microphones? Are we getting better? No, keep going. Okay, awesome. Hey, turn with me in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 1. Isn't that good news, guys? God's real, by the way, if you're wondering. Genesis, actually Genesis chapter 2. This week I was traveling. I spent a couple days in Pasadena, and then I went to uh, Waco, Texas, and Austin, Texas. On my plane flight from... LAX to Austin, I sat next to these two um, really nice girls, mid-20s, young professional women, and uh, met them. Um, they, were, they were friends sitting next to me, and they were in the midst of dialogue, and so I just you know, started trying to mind my own business and start preparing for this week. But they were just t- talking 90 to nothing, and they were very nice uh, young women, but it, it was just reminding me how often people that don't really know Jesus closely have kind of a worldly paradigm. So some of the ways that we talk with the faith and the love and the hope in our hearts, that was just missing from this conversation is, you know, they were spending the majority of time talking about making money or talking about kind of mistrusting men and relationships and um, you know, some expletives coming forth and just some, some negative bent to the conversation. And anyway, as, as that was going on, you know, I'm trying to focus. And, and then one of the girls uh, in the window seat says to the girl in the middle seat, she goes, you don't have any aspirin, do you? Um, my head is just killing me. And so I hear that, but I'm just, you know, okay, focus, focus, focus. And anyway, I just start sensing the Holy Spirit nudging me, hey, you need to interrupt them and pray for them. And I'm like, oh, no, I don't really want to interrupt them and pray for them. And, uh, you know, they keep talking. So window seat, I'm going to call them window seat and middle seat, okay? So window seat and middle seat, keep talking. And, you know, but the, the sense in me, I don't know if you've ever had this, just keeps getting stronger and stronger and my heart's beating faster and faster. And I finally look at them and say, I am so sorry, I have to interrupt you. I am not going to be able to concentrate. And they're like feeling bad because they think they're talking too much. I said, I'm not going to be able to concentrate unless I ask you if I can pray for you. I say this to window seat. And I I heard you say you have a headache. I believe in healing. God healed me a long time ago. We've seen a lot of healings. I'd love to pray for your headache to go away. She goes, oh, that would be awesome. I've had this headache for three days. That would just be a total miracle. And um, I, I, I say, well, can... 
let me pray for you real quick. And I was like, do you, do you mind if I put my hand on your head? I, you know, Jesus placed hands on, on the sick. And she's like, sure. So I'm like, oh, it's so awkward. And, you know, I'm, I'm reaching over middle seat to put my hand on, on window seat. And, and so I pray for her and I, I feel the power of God flowing. And so I'm like, oh, awesome. So I stop and I go, how's your head? And she goes, it's the same. Like, oh, bummer. I go, oh, I'm so sorry, man. Usually people get healed. And, and, the, and middle seat goes, hey, give God some time. He might be busy right now. <laughs> it's interesting theology, but anyway, I, I you know, by, by then we had reached 10,000 feet. So we were able to use our electronics. So I put my headphones in and I'm, I'm talking to God going, God. Why did you just do that to me? You know, I, I, of course I'll respond to you, but please, if you tell me to pray for someone to heal them. And so they, they, they just, they, they keep talking. And it was interesting. One of the things they, I, I promise I wasn't trying to eavesdrop, but they were just talking and talking. And, and so one of the things that, that this girl said is she started talking about, about this guy in California. Uh, they, they were from LA and she was like, yeah, this guy just has the greatest life. He, he only has to work three hours a day. What a great job. And then he goes to the gym about one o'clock and works out for a couple hours. And then he goes and just plays sports the rest of the day. What a great life. Now push pause on that for a second. Cause I want to come back and j- jump off that. Use that as a segue into the sermon. But let me tell you what happened with these girls. So I worked for a while and we finally get to where they, you know, make us put up our electronic devices. So I pull out my earphones and I look over and I say, Hey, window seat, how, um, how's your head? And she goes, Oh my goodness, my headache's totally gone. And I said, well, praise God. She's like, yes. And you know, they asked what I do and I start telling them and, and that leads into a, a deeper conversation. And it turns out window seat, has been popping into churches by herself and just kind of sitting in the back row. I said, well, did you ever find what you were looking for? And she goes, well, not really. I said, well, let me tell you my story real quick. I quickly tell her my testimony. And at the end, I'm like, so is that something you want? Do you want to give your life to Christ? And she's like, absolutely. So right there, window seat, middle seat, and I pray together. She, she gives her life to Jesus, which was so awesome. She goes, wow, you know, this weekend is going to be really stressful. I'm just going to think back to what just happened now. Anytime I get stressed, and I said, no, I don't want you to do that. I want you to talk to Jesus. It's not just about an experience. It's about a friendship where he's going to help you in every aspect of your life. He wants to be with you, window seat, all the time. And now here was the interesting thing. The interesting thing is middle seat. I end up, I ask her after window seat gives her life to Jesus, have you ever given your life to Jesus? And she said, yes, she'd actually grown up in a church Now she was nice, but it made me realize once again, why we do this series, because what I could tell is that her life wasn't made over. You know, we can come to Christ like window seat did, but a lot of times we think, you know, I'm just going to think back to that day versus I'm going to walk with Jesus day by day. And let him transform my life. 
Today we're finishing our series talking about a hand and feet transformation. What we do with our hands and where our feet take us. And I specifically want to go back to what they were talking about, this guy that they thought he just had the life. Our video today was going to be on living the life Lenny. And living the life Lenny, all he does is hang out and surf and ride a skateboard. He was a seventh year freshman. And what I find is a lot of us have this paradigm is that we just work to live. I do the minimal amount of work. I make the maximum amount of money so then I can just have all the free time in the world to just do whatever sounds fun to me. And I think what that is, is that's a faulty understanding of what you were created for. I think it's a faulty understanding of what you were created for. I want to begin by looking at Genesis chapter 2, verse 15, I believe. I think it's verse 15. No, it's Genesis chapter 2, verses 2 and 3. We're going to start there because what I want to do this morning is upgrade our understanding of work. Everyone say work. Now, work is what we're talking about today. Now, a lot of times when I say work, we already automatically have a negative connotation in our mind. And what I want to tell you is that God wants to bring a transformation of that connotation. And that's going to bring a configuration. No, I'm just kidding. Um, Genesis chapter 2, verses 2 and 3. Listen, it says, By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Verse 3, then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. You need to understand that God is a working God. If you're taking notes this morning, write down, God is a working God. Now, a lot of us don't have the rightful understanding of work, and so three things happen to us. One, we're bored. Why? Because we are not doing the work we were created to do. Number two, we get burned out because we're working for our own approval or our identity instead of being fueled by God's Holy Spirit within us. Number three, we get bitter. Number three, we get bitter because what happens to us in work, we don't see through a kingdom lens. So we're either bored, we're burned out, or we're bitter. But God wants to use our work to catapult us into our destiny, men and women. So first we have to understand that God is a working God. And number two, you have to understand that God created you to work. God created these hands. God created these feet to walk you into his work. Now, here is what I thought growing up in the church. I thought that work was a product of the fall. I, I, I thought that when God created the Garden of Eden, that it was just kind of like those hippies that get lost in Kauai. And they just kind of wander around and swim with some sea turtles and pull a coconut off and, right, and just sit in your board shorts all day or less. And God, I want to tell you that in God's created order, he made man and women to work. This is what Genesis 2.15 says. It says, the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to, to work. 
to work it and take care of it. You know, I think a lot of times we're just thinking, you know, if we were really living how God wanted humans to, we'd just be eating grapes all the time. Just kind of lounging under a palm tree. But no, even in the Garden of Eden, the way that God created the world was in a way that creation would need man to come in and work it. Are you following me? Now, this is going to be a big change because what I want to tell you is that you are like a puzzle piece that when you find the work God's created you to do, it creates the beauty of what God intended. So it's very important for you to find the work that God's created you to do. Now, if we look back at Genesis 1 real quick, look with me, turn, turn back in your Bibles to Genesis 1, 26 through 28, and we read it through this lens of understanding God had a very specific work for people to do. It'll help us. Genesis 1, 26 through 28, it says, Then God said, Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that he may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds of the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them male and female. He created them. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. I want to tell you five quick components of how God created you. If you don't know these, it leaves us confused. It leaves us somewhat aimless in our lives, once you lock into these, it's really going to help you clarify your purpose. Number one, you are made in God's image. Since God works, we should work. You're made in God's image. You were made to work since God is a working God. Number two, God blessed them. This is so important for you to understand is that the first thing God wants to do in your life is to bless you. Now, I'm not saying everything's going to be easy. I'm not saying everything's going to be a cakewalk. But I am telling you that the Father wants to bless you. As a father, I long to bless my four children. And here is the problem. If you don't know that God wants to bless you, you don't know that as you go into your work, there's always a blessing. So we avoid some of the work that God wants us to because we think if we can avoid it, that we know how to bless ourselves better. So just by sitting and lounging and being served and just peacing out all the time, that's where the blessing is. And God says, no, blessing is tied to your calling. And sometimes God calls us into things that look challenging. And if you don't believe that there's a blessing in it, you won't go. Or if you go, you go bitter with a bad attitude. Are you following me right now? Let's keep going. He commanded them to be fruitful. You are to be fruitful. That's the calling on your life. When you're not bearing fruit, you'll, you won't be fulfilled. God didn't create you to just sit and contribute nothing to the earth. God put fruit dormant in each person that needs to just come out and boop, pop out. Right, that's what I love about spring. All of a sudden, little buds start coming forth on these trees. Boop, 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 boop. I have these fruit trees on my property, and I love going out and looking at them. And each day, the fruit's coming out more and more and more and more. Boop. That's what it's supposed to do from your life. He wants us to increase in numbers. Now, that's not just about having children. Everything healthy increases in numbers. In your job, you're not just supposed to go and do a good job at your workplace. You are supposed to multiply yourself. You're supposed to train the younger generation. 
increasing in numbers. And the last thing, it says to rule. Now, some of you are trying this too much. God gave him the birds of the air, the fish of the sea, and said, now you rule over them. What does that speak of? That speaks of leadership. I want to tell you, God has always intended for the people of God to be in leadership. If you are a believer in this room, he wants to send you into a workplace to lead. Now, what we understand is true leadership is servant leadership. That's what we see in the model of Jesus. You lead through working out of the right value system. But once you start seeing this in Genesis chapter 1, once you start seeing in Genesis chapter 2 that you're called to work, it starts giving you the right mind frame to go forth in your life. So the question comes, what kind of work should you do? Anyone ever had this question before? If you have, raise your hand. I should see every hand. I think every person asks, what kind of work do we do? Turn with me to John chapter 5. John chapter 5, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the Gospels in the New Testament, second part of the Bible. John was Jesus' best friend. I love this book. John chapter 5 tells a really interesting story. In John chapter 5, what we see is Jesus walking into the city. He walks into Jerusalem. That's what a lot of us do, right? Every week, we drive into the heart of the city where our jobs are. So Jesus, you see him, he slept outside of the city. He comes in this morning, he comes into Jerusalem and he goes to a place where there's tons of people. He goes to the pool of Bethesda. At the pool are many disabled people. Just giving you a summary of the story. Many disabled people, crippled people, blind people, deaf people, they're all laying around this pool. He goes into this area and he finds one man. And he goes up to him and says, do you want to be healed? And the guy says, yes. Then Jesus looks at him, says, pick up your mat and walk. And what happens? Boom, the guy is healed. Now, there's many dynamics of the story. There, there are many different components of what Jesus was trying to teach us from the story. But I want to highlight one this morning. And it's this. How did Jesus know which man to heal? There were many people. If you look at that story, if you look down at your scripture, it says there were a great many people there that were there. There were a great many disabled people. Well, Jesus, why didn't you just heal them all? Well, that's an interesting question. And Jesus, how did you know to go to this one guy? I, I, I think we can apply this to our work in this way. Who is in, uh, who's, who are our college students this morning? I know we're missing our Point Loma students, but our state students are here. Oh, I see a couple of Point Loma students say, no, I'm here. Um, thank you for being here on your spring break. A lot of college students, that's one of the biggest questions. I know when I got to college, what am I going to do? There's so many great things. That, well, do something good. Okay, well, should I, be, should I fight for social justice? Should I be in the medical field? Should I be in law enforcement? Should I go and be in the business field? Should I be in entertainment? Should I be an artist? Should I be in construction? Should, there, there's so many things you can do. There's so many good things to do. You can't just say what is good to do. So how do you make your decision? Let's look at John chapter 5, verse 19. Jesus said this. Jesus gave them this answer. Very truly, I tell you, the son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees his father doing. 
Because whatever the Father does, the Son also does. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all he does. Yes, and he'll show him even greater works than these so that you will be amazed. What's the principle here? Jesus only did what he saw the Father doing. Jesus walks into a crowd of all these different disabled people. And we don't know, many of them might have been healed later because there were some times where Jesus healed everyone that came to him. But in this moment, there was a specific man, there was a specific assignment for Jesus to live out. And Jesus said, hey, I don't just do whatever's good in front of me. I do what I see the Father doing. Is this making sense? Here's the model from Jesus. Right? Because we want to be like Jesus, right? Ephesians 5, 1, be imitators of God. We want to be imitators. Christian means little Christ. We want The whole reason you're here this morning is that you're wanting to grow closer to God and you're wanting to be more like him. So what was the model? Jesus said, I only do what I see the Father doing. Jesus lived in this relationship of listening to the Father, saying, Father, what are you calling me to? And what I want to tell you is that is your calling, men and women of God. He has a specific assignment for you. My question for you who are in careers is, did God call you to that? Are you doing what God called you to? Or are you doing just what seemed exciting or what seemed fulfilling or what you thought you could make the most money in? What was your barometer for deciding to go into that career. I want to tell you that God has something specific and and it might change throughout your life. But our goal is to hear and obey, to hear and obey. So let me just help you lock in on this a little because you might be saying, well, now, am I just waiting for some voice? Well, what we know is that God speaks in a myriad of ways. Kindle, do we have our, our discerning God's will compass? You saw me talk about this a couple weeks ago, but let me just put it up again because I think this really helps us apply it. If we can put up the compass, we talk about understanding how to discern God's will. So if you took it on a compass north, we'd say is hearing God's voice. So let's just say you're seeking God. Let's say you're a college student, you're seeking God, and you just start sensing that God is leading you to, let's, let's just say he's leading you to be a nurse. For many ladies in here, Many men in here. There's also male nurses. I'm sorry. Uh, you, you hear God's voice sensing, calling you to be a nurse. Okay, but, but what do you do there? You understand that the voice of God is always going to line up with the word of God. So due south, I put as scripture. You look. Now, you think, well, how would I know if, if my job is in scripture? I mean, is there a nurse in scripture? Well, maybe not, but you understand the principles of what holy jobs are because there are some jobs, I I just want to tell you, there are some jobs, maybe like a mafia hitman, it's not going to line up in scripture. And so although you go, man, I think I could be a really good hitman, my heart wants to kill that person, you you look at scripture and you say, you know what, that doesn't line up. Now, I'm I'm being a little funny here, but... Let's say that God calls you, you're feeling like God might be leading you into a certain vocation, a certain job. But then you go, okay, well, what are my motives for that? And you go and look at scripture and you realize the the whole reason you want to do this job is that you think you can get rich fast. And you look at scripture 
And it says, do not store up treasures on earth where moth and rust can destroy and thieves can break in and steal, but store up for yourself treasures in heaven. And all of a sudden you realize, wait a second, I might have the wrong motivation. There, let me tell you, men and women, that there's nothing wrong with making money. Money is not evil. But scripture says that the love of money is the root of all evil. And when you realize, you know what? I think the whole reason I'm picking this job is because I'm in a bank. You go, whoa, 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 whoa. That's not in line with the word of God. Or you say the whole reason I'm picking this job, you know, you thought it was God, but you realize the whole reason I'm doing it is just to please my parents and to make them proud of me. And you realize, well, scripture says to honor your parents. But scripture also says that I've got to follow God's voice. And I'm doing this just to make someone, or, or hey, I'm doing this just because I think that that's going to give me a cool identity. Every decision we make, we seek the Lord, we ask him to give us a, a, an impression, or sometimes we see a, an image in our mind, or sometimes something will jump out of the word, or someone will have a prophetic word over us, but then we always come and analyze it with scripture. Are you following me? But then that's not it. Then you don't just go and jump in because another way that people heard God very clearly in Scripture is through the community of believers. So I put that as due west. These are kind of the rails, the side rails. Wise counsel. The Bible talks about us finding counsel. In the presence of many counselors, there is wisdom. So then you take this and you say, you know, I feel led to be a nurse as I, as I search Scripture. I think my heart is right and I really see that that's helping people. Now you go to counsel and, you, and you, you submit that to godly people with faith and you say, what do you think about this? You go to your godly friends. You go to, I always go to my parents. My parents are believers. My in-laws are believers. So I go to them. I say, what do you think? I go to my mentor. I submit that to them. You know what? There's been a lot of times where I felt like something was God and I went to counsel and they were like, that is not it. Good try. And that helps me. It's, it's spared me making a lot of wrong decisions. Because a lot of times God puts counsel in our lives to see things that we can't see about ourselves. Who in here knows that you have blind spots? I, I know that I have blind spots. Everyone that didn't raise their hand, you have the biggest blind spots. <laughs> we need counsel to help us not go astray. Lastly is this, and this is very important. We call it counting the cost. Jesus said that no one builds a tower without first counting the cost. He said, no king goes into, into battle without first assessing his army. What was Jesus explaining here? He's saying, we've got to do our due diligence. You're feeling, oh, I'm so led to be a doctor. And you look at scripture and think, you know, that really works. And then you go over to counting cost and you've never passed a science class in your life. And blood makes you faint. <laughs> that, that's when you start thinking, you know what? This actually might be a feeling that, that I'm applying wrong. Because actually I don't even like to be in small rooms with people. And so God has given us a rational mind and he expects us to use it and to discern, to actually use our discernment to help determine his will. When we put these four things together, that helps you start moving forward in the career, in the work that God has called you to do. Now, 
Here's what I don't want you to do, young people. If you're under 30 in here, raise your hand right now for me. Everyone under 30, raise your hand. There's a couple of you in here. Thank you. What I don't want you to think is you're under 30 is that you go through this process and then boom, tomorrow you're in your absolute dream job sweet spot. Now, I do believe that God wants to take you there. But here are a couple of principles in scripture that I need to make you aware of that if you get them, they're going to really help you. The first is found in Luke 19. Luke 19. It's a parable of the talents. Jesus is helping us understand how God works. And he says, God is like a very wealthy man who distributes talents to people. He gives one to one and a couple to another and several to another. But one of the servants... They went and they weren't faithful with their talent. They didn't do it. They just kind of shrunk back. They said, you know what? I've just got this one little thing. I don't have anything to contribute. I don't have anything to do. I'm not going to do anything with it. And look at what verse 17 says. To the one who actually worked with the talents that he was given, although there were just a few, listen to what he says. He says, well done. My good servant, his master replied, because you've been trustworthy in a very small matter, just a very small one, because you've been trustworthy in a small matter, take charge of 10 cities. Man, the guy was just, you know, the guy just held on to the master's Legos. And now the master's saying, now take, take charge of 10 cities. This is one of the most important principles for young people to get in scripture. If you're faithful in little, God will make you ruler over much. The Bible says he who's faithful in little will be ruler over much. So I find that God tests us. He seldom starts someone out by giving them tremendous authority. I know as an employer myself, we have a lot of employees that work for our church. I want to see if someone's faithful. I want to see if they're faithful before I ever even pull them into employment. If they're faithful, if they work with the little, then I give them more. And if they're faithful with that, then I give them more. I want to ask you, are you faithful with what God's given you now? Some of us are really frustrated with the work we're doing currently. But God's saying, if you'll be faithful in that, I'll give you more. But if you're always looking at what you don't have, and so you're not being faithful there, then he can't give you more. So many people think the grass is greener on the other side. And I want to tell you, the grass is greenest where you water it. You start watering the little grass you have and it starts growing and actually grass starts spreading. You go, oh, my little patch is so small. Well, then water it. Do the hard work. Put the fertilizer on it. Fertilizer, that's not always fun. That's not always smelling good. But as you fertilize it, it grows and spreads. Lamentations 3.27, this is a real popular verse. This really grows the crowds of young people. It says this, it's good for a man to bear the yoke while he is young. Now that's not putting eggs on your shoulders, okay? A, A yoke is what was put on oxen. It was the wood piece that went over the oxen so the oxen could pull the cart or pull the plow forward. I want to tell you, Young men and young women, especially you high schoolers and college students and even into your 20s, that God will often let us carry things that feel too heavy for us. 
And I hear people say, you know, I just can't, I can't take anymore. But actually God is training you. It's just like going in the weight room. The people who get strong are the ones that walk straight in to heavy weights. Now think about this. So often God is stretching us so that you can get stronger, so that he can give you more. Many of us, the second we start getting stretched, we want to run. Are you following me? I'm I'm preaching to someone in this room. We start getting stretched and we want to run. And God's saying, no, I'm actually building your strength. I'm actually growing you stronger and stronger. So I want to tell you that many times in our young years, God heaps on the load. And we think, it's going to crush me. And then all of a sudden, as we draw in, we draw into him, we draw near, we start seeing, wow, I'm a little stronger than I thought in the Lord. And you start carrying more. And then God says, hey, now you can carry that. Now I'm going to give you this. But I can't give you that. If you don't walk in this, because it'll crush you. I want to tell you that a lot of the load we're feeling right now that we're just wishing God would take away the reason you're carrying it because he wants to give you more. He wants you to walk into a glorious destiny, but he doesn't want to put it on your shoulders before time or it would crush you. So we've got to bear that yoke in our youth. Let me turn the corner here. Start concluding Colossians 3, 23 through 24. It says, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters, since you know that you'll receive an inheritance from the Lord. It's the Lord Christ you are serving. In the end, our greatest motivation, your motivation tomorrow, who has a job right now? Would you raise your hand? Your motivation, men and women, tomorrow you go in, You clock into that job. Who you are serving is the Lord Christ Jesus himself. He is your employer. And no matter what your boss thinks about you, no matter what your coworkers think about you, as you work as unto him, he's going to reward you. I don't care if the the rays skipped you. I don't care if they missed you in the promotion. God's promoting you if you are faithful. Our work is worship. It's every bit as much worship as when you come down here and lift your hands on a Sunday morning. I love to do that. But you never stop worshiping and how you live your life. When you go into your job, no matter what it is, and you just start serving with all your heart, God is going to reward that work. He is the one who is watching and he is the one who will bless. I've had the... uh, incredible privilege of sitting in the seat and watching people get a hold of this, watching people get a hold of both my work is worship and that God puts me next to people continually, just like he put me next to window seat because of my job. He's putting you next to people who are just hungry and open. And then he, he lights up your feet to take you right in those situations to tell people good news. I want to just end this sermon and end our series by just showing you some pictures and bragging on some of the people in our congregation. There's many more, but these were just people that came to mind really quickly of how they're using their hands and feet. They've been made over to bring the kingdom of God in the areas that God's called them to. Dan Ferreira. We have Dan's picture. We don't have his picture. He's a good looking guy. Dan, wave to us right back there. There he is. I've loved, 
Dan's uh, an electrician contractor. I've loved watching him and, and listening to him as he talks about driving into each job. And before he gets out of his truck, waiting on Jesus and saying, Jesus, what do you have for me here? Isn't that awesome? And then saying, Lord, use me. And then Dan sitting next to him, or at least he was, I think he stepped out with one of his kids, is Ivan. Elvira, raise your hand. This is Ivan's wife right here. Ivan came to the Lord with us about a year ago. And so Dan said, hey, I, I need a young understudy to work with me. So he took in Ivan, who he disciples while they're working, and does the job together. Isn't that amazing? Listening to God. Discipleship. And then he says that Ivan's a tremendous evangelist. There he is. Ivan, wave wave at us. So Ivan goes around always sharing with people as they go into their job site. But the thing about Dan is he's known for the excellence of his job. So here he is, excellent, listening to God, making disciples, sharing the gospel. It's the whole package. Let's keep going. Raymond and Melissa, are you guys in here? I I, I had a picture. There they are, right back here. Raymond and Melissa... I'm loving watching them. They own Los Primos restaurants. So over 20 restaurants in the city. But what I love is they took half of their corporate headquarters and made it into a warehouse to take care of the poor. So they run the share ministry out. How creative is that? And they open up their, their, their headquarters, the, the back half of their offices, they opened up where people can come and get the resources they need. They realize... God blessed us so we can be a blessing. In, in, in one of these settings the, the other day, Raymond uh, had a, someone come up and prophesy, and prophecy is just encouragement. And, and the man said to him, he said, hey, I really believe that God is, is calling you to believe for a church to be birthed in each of your restaurants. So Raymond came, I didn't know about that. Raymond came to me and said, that's what I got. And I really want to see that help happen. So now he's praying for the kingdom of God to invade each one of his restaurants. Don't you want to partner with him in believing for that? So, so amazing. Now, some of you are going, man, those are kind of out there. And, you know, I, I'm just starting my career. Eric Narani, is Eric in here this morning? Eric, Eric, Eric is a college student, needed some extra money. So God gave him a creative idea, scrapping metal. Now, I I love this because God wants to birth in different people creative methods of generating revenue and work. But here's what I love about Eric. Everywhere he goes into these scenarios, into these metal yards, he's a missionary. And so he's sharing with these people that might not ever come to a church. He's sharing with them in these situations. And people are always coming to Christ. With Eric, and, he's, and I'll, I'll meet these people that Eric brings in through these scenarios. Here's, here's another one that I love. Nancy Steinbrecher, are you in here? I, I'm in life group with Art. Art, are you here? He said, there he is. Oh, he's sitting next to Nancy and Carl. There he is. So Art, two weeks ago in life group, tells about how he gave his life to Jesus. But the way that Art ended up in this church is because Nancy was a nurse, and she still is a nurse. She's a nurse... And Art came into her hospital, and she took the time to get to know him and lay hands on him and pray for him. And the next week, he was here. And now he's given his life to Christ. I actually, I, I, I went into Nancy's hospital one time. She came to check on me. A doctor comes to check on me. She stops the doctor and asks how we can pray for him. I'm like, oh, wow. <clears throat> She's bold. 
And I want to tell you that God has put you in different venues to boldly. She uses both her hands, but she also speaks out the word of God. And she prays that people get healed. A nurse who heals people. Amazing. (laughs) I I love watching Nancy. Shelly Laughlin. Wave at me, Shelly. Shelly in the social work field. Has this been amazing? Here's what I love about Shelly. Shelly does it with this heart of compassion for people. And, and here, I think she has a listening gift. A lot of us Christians, we have a talking, talking, talking. You know, our mouths are always going. But we might not be the best at listening. I've watched Shelly, how she listens to people. Now, she, once she became a mother, she realized, hey, I, I need to try to give my children more time. And, and they were in the family situation to be able to do that. I know many people are not in that are not able to do that, but she, she was able to go part-time, but she still was making relationships and listening. And through that, numerous people have been brought into the kingdom through her, through this deep compassion and listening. If there's all, I'm always meeting someone new at our church who connected with Jesus because of what they saw in Shelley's life. So beautiful. How about you uh, stay at home mothers in this room? Well, I don't have a job. Yo, yes, you do have a job. I'm glad I don't have your job, actually. Uh, give, me, give, me, uh, give me preaching. It's a lot easier to get in, up in front of all you hundreds of people than to be in front of my four kids all day, man. They, and I have sweet kids. But I, I want to say, you stay-at-home mothers, don't ever feel like you are not contributing. You are raising up the next generation. And we... I just want to say that because sometimes moms, especially in those young years, you feel like I've just lost my life. And you have. But Jesus says whoever loses their life will find it. (laughs) Rose, where are you, Rose? Rose Langang. There she is with a baby strapped to her stomach. I watched Rose in the midst of her life taking women, woman after woman, under her, under her arms and modeling for them godly motherhood and really ministering to them. Sometimes people that are in broken places, she's just ministering the life and love of God as a mom. She's not saying, well, now because I'm a mom, I can't have any contact with the outside world. No, she's doing it with her children around her. Here's one that I love. Where's Jeanette Cowan? Where is, is she in here? She's probably outside serving. Jeanette Cowan. Oh, there she is. See, okay. Jeanette Cowan, 64 years young. And Jeanette's had many different careers. She's been in law enforcement. She's been in education. Every time I talk to her, she's been in another job. But here's what I love about Jeanette. 64 years old. She's not saying, you know, now is my time to just sit back and retire and be served. Now, I'm not against retirement. As long as you don't just retire, you refire, right? And so... This woman has a fire in her. And so what does she do in her 60s? She realizes I have something to give. She came on our staff part-time as the women's pastor for our training school. And she is sewing into the young people. I remember her, she did the training school. And I said, Jeanette, you know, you can just stay here. You don't need to go on the training school outreach to Thailand. She's like, I'm not being left behind. This woman just going and boldly sharing the gospel. She has been used in amazing ways as a grandmother in our church as a mother in our church, because she didn't just see that, hey, I get to a certain age and now I go to the sidelines. 
She said, no, no, actually now I have more time than ever and more wisdom than ever to invest in the next generation. Isn't that awesome? I'm so sorry I've gone over time. Why don't we stand up?